Let's warmly welcome Ian. Ian. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. You all well? Yeah. Great. Well, that's very enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> uh, as Jeeves said, my name is Ian. Um, I head up the eldership team here. Um, if you are a visitor, it's great to see you um, and like to get to know you a bit better. Why don't you stick around for the lunch afterwards? I'm sure there's... Um, plenty of food to go around uh, and just enjoy getting to know people. And I just felt actually during the worship, God speak to me about something. And uh, this might be your first time here today. You might not be used to coming to church, but God was just reminding me about my own salvation story. And I just thought God would say to you today that you don't have to have it all together. That this um, church is not full of people that have life all sorted and that God accepts you as you are. Uh, I've been a Christian now for 20 years this year um, and about 21, 22 years ago I came through the doors there at the back um, and my life was a mess and Jesus called me by name um, and he didn't wait for me to get life in order, he called me as I was um, and I was bordering on addiction to many things, alcohol, drugs, uh, was often in trouble with the police and avoiding trouble with the police. Um, but God called me by name, accepted me as I was. He didn't say, yeah, you need to stop doing all of those things first and then I will accept you. No, he accepts you as you are. Yeah. And then you join this beautiful process and journey through the rest of your life as you become more like Jesus. I've still got a long way to go until I'm like Jesus. A long, long way. Some days more than others. Um, but he accepts you as you are. He died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. That was, it meant that your sin that was separating you from God now no longer is a barrier if you put your trust in him and the work of the cross. I said, Lord, will you add that to my account so I am no longer in debt to you? And I just sat on the side of my bed one evening after I was think I was halfway through doing the Alpha course. And I just said, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Thank you for the cross. Lord, come into my life. And literally, as I, was, I still remember, it, it was dark in my room. And I, I just had the bedside light on my drawer. I had a little bedside drawer. I had a box inside the drawer that was full of illegal things that I was still selling. God didn't say, no, get rid of that. I even had a big knife in there that I used to cut stuff up with. And God said, you are mine. He calls you by name. You don't have to do anything but accept what he did on the cross. And that's it. So, if you are here for the first time today, if you are uh, not in a relationship with Jesus, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, it's okay. You don't have to get it all sorted first. Yeah. Anyway, just a slight uh, diversion. Um, we are going back into our Ephesians series today. Ephesians uh, is a letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, and we've been going uh, through the book. We haven't got that far yet. We're still in chapter one. Um, but we're going to dive back into that today. And through, as I look at um, verses 15 to 18, really, I'm going to try and interweave all 
kind of thoughts and plans that we as elders uh, have for the church. We really felt the leading of God in the plans as well. I hope that's helpful to know. Um, uh, but what we're going to look at today, from verse 15, uh, Paul is praying and giving thanks. And it starts with, in verse 15, for this reason. And when it starts with, for this reason, it means it's helpful for us to look back when we see a phrase like, remind ourselves of what came before. It points back to what Paul has already said. So if we look back in um, verses uh, 3 to 14, Paul offers praise to God for all of these spectacular grace gifts that he's poured out upon his people. And that is you, if you're a Christ follower. He has poured out these grace gifts Blessed in the heavenly realms, chosen, pre-elected, predestined. You've been adopted into the family of God. You have redemption. You have forgiveness of sins. And he has given us the promised Holy Spirit for Jews and Gentiles and everyone. And after writing all this glorious truth, almost poetic-like truth, Paul says, for this reason. So we know where we are. So if you want to turn in your Bibles... We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15. I'm going to read 15 to 23, um, and uh, we'll look at the first part of that. So it says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, so we're going to cover this over the next two weeks. Um, Adam is going to go into this a bit uh, deeper as well next week. Um, I'm actually not around next week. I'm going to be in uh, King's Church in Hastings and Bexhill um, as, as part of the New Ground family of churches. But hopefully what we're going to learn over the next few weeks is that as Christians, we are citizens of a new nation. We are part of God's household and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a godly life in eternal union with Christ. We now have full eternal rights as citizens of heaven, power to live a godly life and please Jesus. He is forever mine and I am forever his. Paul is addressing here a, a people, a group of people, churches, and we make much of being adopted sons and daughters of God and our identity in Christ, which is right and correct. And we have, as individuals, full eternal rights. But God is also after a people, a collective for himself. It's not all about us, but a people together. 
And if we read the New Testament and Paul's letters carefully, he will, they're trying to help us escape the hyper-individuality of our age, where it's all about me, 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 me. God has saved you into a new nation, a new people, God's people from every tribe, nation, and language. God's goal was to have one new man in Christ. 1 Peter 2 says, you are a chosen race. All of us, we are chosen, a people for his own possession, a royal priesthood. But one day, when we're all in glory, there'll be no government, there'll be no politics, because the government will rest on his shoulders. That's good to know, isn't it? No politics. We can pray for politicians and, you know, uh, or for Christians in places of influence, but that mustn't be our main focus because God hasn't come to redeem politics. Jesus came to redeem his church. There'll be no NHS in heaven. There will be no sickness in heaven. No environmental concerns. We will be in a perfect world. There will be racial harmony forever. I heard on New Year's Eve um, King, a King Charles quote, and they played it as the fireworks were going off at midnight. I obviously watched it the next day because I didn't stay up to watch that. Um, but there was this King Charles quote as the fireworks were going off. I won't do the question because I, you know, I don't want to get taken to the tower. Um, but Charles said this, the destiny of our planet is in our hands and ours alone. And I'm sitting there watching the fireworks with my kids. And I said, you know that's not true, right? What Charles has just said is not true. The destiny of this planet does not rest in our hands. It rests in the one who created it. I hope I don't get taken to the tower for that. But anyway, but we will be part of God's own people where God dwells forever and ever. We are the dwelling place of God right now. You know, this building, it's not a holy place. Do you know that? It's not a holy place. You, you are the holy place. You are where the Holy Spirit dwells and where God wants to live. And we must learn as well to remember that and treasure the manifest presence of God when we gather together. When we gather together, God manifests himself in a way that is unique. As the church, as his saints gather together, something unique happens. It is a fantastic opportunity to gather together and worship with other believers, with the church. Worship in spirit and truth. And when I'm not here, I'm missing out. I can't think of anything else I would rather do than gather with the body of Christ and uh, dwell in the manifest presence of God and worship yeah. Him. And if you come 20 minutes late, 30 minutes late, I'm not commenting on any individual here, by the way, but if you come late, you have missed out on half an hour of being in the manifest presence of the living God who created everything, who sent His Son to die on the cross, and He's here dwelling right now. Why would you want to miss that? This is special. You know, there might be some things of thinking, well, I might go and see our B 
Betty this week, or I might go and do this, I might, there's other things. I've told this story before about uh, somebody in our previous church who went to the zoo one Sunday instead of coming to church. The zoo! <laughs> Caged animals instead of being in the presence of the living God. It's important to gather together. And these first few verses, what we're looking at today, will hopefully help us and enable us for the rest of the year. Firstly, let's learn from Paul his prayer of thanksgiving for a group of people that he likely never met. He is rejoicing in the faith and salvation of others. I wonder, do we do that? When we hear of revival in Iran, or the underground church in China, or churches being planted. We're part, as I've said, of, of a family of churches called New Ground. And re- in recent years, there's been churches planted in Maastricht, Berlin, Rotterdam, and churches that have known growth in a small amount of time. Do we rejoice? Give thanks. Do you know, just a thankful heart can change your whole demeanour and your outlook on life. Even when you don't feel like it, give thanks. The Ephesus church had a love for all the saints. And it's part of what we feel as elders God is calling us into this year. To grow in our love for one another. To be a community of unity. Where the people come into the church and know we're God's people by how we love each other. It's the command of Jesus, wasn't it, in John 13? To love one another as he loved them. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. There's also a persistence in Paul and his prayer life. In verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We want to grow in our prayerfulness this year. To be on a regular basis, growing in our prayer life. Take time out to seek him as individuals. Make prayer meetings a priority. Don't pray always on the go. Make time when it's just you and Jesus. Close the door. Go into a room. Or it could be just you and the dog walking somewhere. God God used to speak to me so often when I would walk my dog. John Calvin talks about the importance of prayer. He gave uh, six points. I think I put this in the PowerPoint. But I did. Um, he said, to learn, the importance of prayer is to learn to depend upon our Heavenly Father, to purify the desires of our heart, to be content with whatever He provides, appreciate God's generous faithfulness, enjoy without guilt the many gifts that He provides, and to trust Him with our daily needs. Calvin described it as like digging up treasures promised to us in Scripture. That's why prayer is so important. Let's remember to pray for one another. Pray for the church, the global church. Pray for your church. Look around you right now. Look around you. These people that are around you are the only ones that are coming with you. Not literally, like the the global church is going as well. But your achievements on earth won't be with you in glory, in the new heaven and the new earth. There are things that we strive for in this life that will be of no use in the next. 
even bucket lists, bucket lists, like places we'd like to go before we pop our clothes. You know, I, I love to travel, and there's lots of places I'd still like to go. But in the new heaven and the new earth, I will get to spend a thousand years on the Gold Coast of Australia, in the redeemed beaches of the Gold Coast. <laughs> I will get to spend hundreds of years in the hustle and bustle of India. And a large percentage, as I've said in the New Testament, is regularly trying to wake us up from our slumber, from sleepwalking through this life to thinking this is all there is. It's a lie and a deceit that many fall into, being distracted by the pleasures and trappings of this life. Forgetting about our eternal home. Forgetting you're called according to his purpose. Jesus has a plan for you. and It's more than just a job, a family, a house, safety. It's more than that. And the devil loves, and he's real by the way, the devil's real. He loves to swing, sing sweet lullabies to us. It's too hard. You deserve me time. It's not important. Or even convincing us that he doesn't exist. It's that well-known C.S. Lewis quote of the greatest thing that the devil's ever done is to convince the world that he doesn't exist. But instead, we should be like Paul, thankful, grateful, and prayerful. Pray beyond the mundane as well. Pray beyond a parking space, please. Pray for a parking space, but pray beyond a parking space. Pray beyond what's happening just at work this week, though that is very important. Pray for the sort of thing that only God can do working supernaturally. And what we've prayed for this, this week, for what's happening in your week this week, pray for the miraculous. Don't just pray it goes okay. Pray for the miraculous. God is calling you into a supernatural life. So live a life, remembering he has already given you all you need for life, and for this life and the next. The Christian life often consists of remembering and revelation. Paul's prayer, despite his unceasing gratitude, is that they appreciate to the fullest extent the implications of the blessings they've already received that we appreciate to the fullest extent the implications of the blessings we've already received. And the essence of prayer, Paul's prayer is what? That they know. That they know. That they know God. Know God. He even re-emphasizes it in chapter 3, where he prays they have the power and strength to comprehend and this part in verse 17 to 18 is important that we grow in the knowledge of God and the eyes of our hearts are enlightened and we know the hope to which he has called us. And this all comes through the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This isn't a type of spirit or the human spirit inspired by God. No, this is the Holy Spirit who without we cannot know God or know him deeper. And that we know him 
more than just God, but as Paul says, the glorious Father. That we know him, we know his hope, and we know his power. And his primary desire is simple. They will know God better. Why? Because God is so captivating in his gracious holiness that knowing him is our supreme blessing for all eternity. And it's interesting, Paul writes these letters about knowing God and he's writing them in prison. Because knowing God is precious when experiencing persecution or difficulty. Knowing God is the greatest blessing. In Philippians 3, 8, it says, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You know, it's sad we have so much knowledge about jobs or hobbies and interests or other people that we settle for knowing God superficially. When I uh, was first coming into the church and I'd given my life to Jesus, um, I think I've told this story before, but I uh, really like football. I like it less than I used to, but I used to really like football play four or five times a week, would watch a lot of it, and I had quite a knowledge of football, and I would buy three papers every day and I would take them to work with me. So I could just fill my brain with more knowledge about football, who was getting transferred to who, that sort of stupid, mundane stuff. <laughs> and I decided, I, I think I'd been a Christian for about a year or two, and I knew that God was calling me on to more than just knowledge of football, because I was filling my brain with this, I'm thinking, I can never remember Bible verses, but I was filling my brain with transfer news and what was happening and how bad Everton were at the time, which, by the way, is very bad at the moment. Um, So I made a decision, I'm not going to fill my brain with that anymore. I'm going to decide, Lord, to fill my uh, reading, my um, thought life with what you've said in your word and in prayer. And then I changed from reading bad newspapers about football to just listening to podcasts and preachers on the way to work and reading stuff in my Bible when I'd get onto site and I would read stuff. But to fill my brain with what he wants, with food, I was feeding myself. You feed yourself. You do, but not might not always be with good food. Yeah. Could be with junk. What are you feeding yourself with right now? And I just I knew it was important to get to know God better. You know, the better I know my kids and my wife, the more I love them. You know, when they're born, they're quite they're cute, aren't they? And they're like you know these little balls of dough, and they're all cuddly and stuff. But you don't really know much about them other than. You know, they look a bit twitchy. Um, <laughs> but the more I get to know them, the more they've got personalities and their characters, and the more I love them. We need a knowledge of him. Know an experience of him. And a knowledge of understanding. There is so much nonsense around at the moment about being true to yourself. Find yourself. Listen to your true self. Utter nonsense. 
Find yourself, find God, and you'll do much better. If you find him, you'll know who you really are. You'll know who you've been created to be. Because if I was true to myself, if I listened to myself all the time, I'd be playing football right now. Yeah, I probably would. I'd be playing football right now. I'd be saying, well, that's what I feel like doing. I feel like doing that. I feel like just sitting on the sofa and not doing much. Oh, God, who am I? Who have you created me to be? We, as elders, uh, again, hopefully this is good to know, we pray together. Is that a relief? Good, that's good to know. Um, We pray together. We seek God's leading. And how to help us as a church. Where, God, are you leading us? We believe that God appoints elders. So grateful for my eldership team. Just love to be together. We love meeting together, praying together. And I believe there is a call still over this church to plant new congregations and churches to reach many for the gospel. But we feel right now, as we heard last week in the prophetic, our focus at the moment needs to be fixing our eyes upon Jesus. Growing in maturity in Christ. To grow as disciples of Christ and in our love for him. But we are convinced that we are to continue in the discipleship tracks that we started last year but with a difference. And after speaking to connect group leaders and the need for groups to grow and multiply, there's also group leaders just in need of a break at the moment. The plan is that for three months, we will stop all connect groups on the usual weeks of the first and third weeks. And we will run the discipleship tracks in their place at the building on a Wednesday evening. It will, I appreciate not suit everyone and we're not stopping people from meeting together in homes we encourage you to be in one another's homes but that can continue in the weeks that the tracks are not on to be praying for one another be in a prayer group i found being in a, a prayer group with a couple of other guys as a when i was a new christian really helpful and formative those that were further on than me But right now as elders, we feel it is right to do this. We have felt the leading of God on this, and we would encourage you to get behind us on this and get involved. The tracks we'll be doing are two, as you can see. There's the Bible course and another called Fruitfulness on the front line. And the Bible series is um, will be six to seven weeks. It, it focuses on key moments in the Bible story, from our origins in Genesis to our future hope in Revelation and connect them with universal human needs like freedom, peace, love, hope. And hopefully as we gather together, we'll learn to experience the power and the relevance of the Bible. And the other one, fruitfulness on the front line. And the guys who are on Academy uh, heard the guy who wrote this course yesterday. And we really feel like this God has brought us to this both of these courses to do. This is about learning in our everyday context about how to be fruitful. To help us see in our everyday that there are people that matter to God. To see how God can work through us on the front line in our everyday. Whether that's at work, school, home, whatever setting you're in, 
to stir up our imagination to see what God might want to do there. Because, as I've said, it's very important to gather together here and be in the manifest presence of God together. But you spend 90% of your time out there. And we want to help and enable and equip us as the church to go and be fruitful. It, this, the fruitfulness on the front line, it's, it's got loads of real life stories, biblical insight, practical steps, um, resources that will spark our imagination and just believe that God will work in us and through us. But we love community, we love meeting together, we just felt led to do it slightly differently in this season. It will run from the beginning of February to April. When in this time we'll be meeting at the building at 7.30pm. There'll be tables out, we'll have half an hour of tea, coffee, um, desserts, cake, that sort of stuff. Where we get to know one another better. And you might get to meet new people. There'll be people that have been in the church for a long time and you don't know them yet. Get to know other people as well. You can come as your group and be on the table together if you like. I encourage you just to spread your wings a little bit and get to know yeah. some other people. Yeah. Yeah. And then after a little social time, we'll go into our groups um, and have fun. Uh, there'll be a sign-up link going out this week uh, which will enable you to uh, choose which one you wish to do. This will be good for us. It reminds me, I'm harking back a bit to the old days today, but it reminds me of when I first did Purpose. Who's been around long enough to remember that? Yeah, a few of you. And we would gather, uh, it was a book by Rick Warren, 40 Days of Purpose. Uh, the whole church gathered midweek and did, uh, and went through this book together. And I only thought about this like this week. It wasn't because of that why we're doing this. Um, but I found it really helpful and formative. And I, I believe this will be too. I was put in a group um, doing these 40 Days of Purpose with somebody who this might not necessarily happen to you, but they made me pray out loud. But it's the first time I prayed out loud and I was terrified. But I believe this will be helpful and formative. Yeah. And the other groups will come out of this too, yeah. because we need more home group, more connect groups. Yeah. We'll also be running Alpha once this year. And as the Alpha team and I discussed this, we feel it's right as well to change the time of year that we do it and the frequency for now, so Alpha will start in May. But we, and we also really want to encourage you to sign up for the church weekend away. I've been on a few church weekends away in my uh, Christian life, and I've just found them immensely helpful. I've formed new friendships, met with Jesus, God's spoken to me. In fact, the last church weekend I went on, uh, God spoke to me, and it wasn't until a couple of years later I worked out and realised what that was. And that resulted in me coming to St. Max again. Uh, we've got uh, Jim Partridge coming from King's Church with Sussex, who's going to be preaching to us. Uh, but we also feel over this year to allow time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's so formative and crucial in your Christian life. Again, I was filled with the Holy Spirit with a dear old couple called Dennis and Barbara, who many of you will remember, prayed for me to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. 
And I did. I started to pray in tongues, and I felt weird, and I thought I was making it up. But it was the beginning of a journey, yeah. of walking in sync with the Spirit. And I really encourage you this year to be seeking Him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might come from a background where you don't believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I, I just encourage you to go back to the Word. Because the Word, the Word of God, really shows us and tells us about being baptised in the Holy Spirit. And I think if you don't believe theologically in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you read the Word, you kind of have to like jig around a bit and avoid bits and cut bits out. And, oh, I don't like that. No, I don't like No, because the Word says it. Yeah. What does it mean when it says, do not cease praying in tongues? I just encourage you. And it's not all about praying in tongues, by the way. It's just something, Nicky Gumbel describes it as like the pilot light going on in the boiler. You can have a pilot light, but when the boiler ignites, there's this noise, there's this thing that happens. So I just encourage you to, for that. And let's be like Paul and be prayerful for what he considered important. So whatever we pray for for ourselves, let's pray that we know God better. Commit to pray for people that they know God better and find him more and more their deepest satisfaction and joy. So just as we end looking at Ephesians, are you growing in your knowledge of God? Are you knowing more of his voice and his direction and his leading? Or have you felt a bit of a, a drift? Have you asked, verses, verse 17 to 18, have you asked God to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow? Proverbs 2, 1 to 5 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. As it said, verse 18, the eyes of your heart be enlightened. A heart in the Bible is often meant as the center of our physical and spiritual being. And the way we see the world, what we value, desire or fear, or avoid, it's not just a rational decision, but it depends upon our values and what's shaped by the affections of our heart. Paul is praying here that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened so we will see God for who he is. Love the things he loves. Seeing the world the way God sees it, which is the way it really is. It is vital to understand that so often in our Christian walk, God doesn't want to change our circumstances, but the way we see our circumstances, by changing our hearts. To see what? That the hope we have been called to. We are to know his hope. And we do have a hope. We have a down payment, a deposit of the hope now in the Holy Spirit. The hope of his call. We're called to something and for something. We're called into the family of God. We belong to Jesus Christ and we are called to be part of God's big regeneration plan for the whole earth. You get to be called into that. Life is never mundane. But if you realise this, 
This eternal hope, liberation from law, free from the slavery of sin. We are called to freedom. And we know that beyond the sometimes suffering of this world lies glory. Where there will be no more sadness, no more pain. God will wipe away every tear from every eye. And in suffering, the knowledge of this destination is a comfort. And Paul calls the upward call of Christ that he presses on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. If in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. He's pressing on towards the goal. John Stott said he's called us to Christ and holiness, to freedom and peace, to suffering and glory. More simply, it was a call to an altogether new life in which we know. Love and obey and serve Christ. Enjoy fellowship with him and each other. Look beyond our present suffering to the glory which will one day be revealed. This is the hope to which he has called you. And Paul is praying that your eyes will be open to it. This is what the world needs right now. There's not much hope. There's fears. There's fears for future, health, security. But we can rest in that it might not look perfect right now. But one day, it will. He can give you peace in the midst of all of this. By his spirit. As we enter into this year, as we begin to look what the landscape looks like, then it's become a moment we move from the back foot to the front foot of faith. When we move from faithfulness to the fullness of faith. When we move from defence to offence. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. He wants to empower us and embolden us to go out and proclaim the gospel. With the power of God. We need to come out looking differently. We as a, a church are not trying to get back to everything we did. But God, what are you calling us to? And right now is to fix our eyes upon him. He's been moving and preparing us. What might he be saying to you? And as we read on his inheritance, all the things God has chosen us to enjoy for all eternity, one day we'll receive that inheritance. Far beyond anything we can imagine. I don't know if you've ever inherited anything, but it will be far better than any earthly inheritance. We shall see God and Christ and worship him and enjoy perfect fellowship with him. It's not going to be a private little party amongst the saints. We will join a great multitude that no man can ever number. And Paul prays, grasp it, know it, the glory of it and the riches of it. Uh, All that we've got planned this year can be in danger of sending a little introspective, but it's all about fixing our eyes upon Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. This church will never be an inward-looking church, and we long to see many people come to Jesus. That's what we're here for. And we'll be encouraging you throughout the year to speak to your friends, your relatives and neighbours about Christ. But right now, it feels like a merry moment. We're just sitting at his feet, waiting for his next instruction, growing 
in the knowledge and love of God. I mean, we don't just want to make up some motivational strap line. And I reckon between the four of us, we're reasonably bright blokes, the four of us, I reckon we could come up with a decent strap line. Claim we're going to win the town and the nation and the nations. But Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying, be my disciples. Follow me. Learn my ways and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't we stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to again fix our eyes upon you, the King, the righteous one. Lord, I pray for pray for us as your church that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened this year to know you, to know the hope to which we are called, to know of our glorious inheritance, to know of the power of which you give us. Oh God, will you come now and fill us again with your Holy Spirit? We just put our hands out to him. It's just a, a sign between you and him saying, Lord, everything is yours. Will you come now, Holy Spirit, and fill us as your people afresh? Commission us as we go into this year, Lord. We want to grow in the knowledge and love of God and love for one another. Come now, fill us with your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us again. Enable, embolden us, Lord, we pray. And as we go out into this week, Lord into the workplaces, into the front lines of wherever we are. Fill us with your spirit, oh God. I just lift up all of those situations we prayed for earlier, Lord. Everyone that stood, will you embolden them, Lord? Will you go before them supernaturally, Lord Jesus? Have your way, King of kings, Lord of lords. Lord, we just commit this year to you and say, Lord, have your way. It's all yours. We are yours. We want to know you. We want to know more of you. I pray that, Lord, many come to the knowledge of you this year. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.